You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Touchdown. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello, welcome in to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, your complete cards coverage. I'm Blake Murphy 7. Blake Allen Murphy, you can know me at least on Twitter right now, I think is just Blake Murph. <laughs> That's where it's at right now. I think last year it was like Boo Lake or something, but it was a little confusing for Halloween. Joining me as always, keeping his Johnny touchdown at and the Johnny football name, at least has been retired. We have the venerable John Venerable joining me here. John, uh, we're still kind of in the throes of the first Cardinals win. Looking ahead to the future now, looking into that crystal ball, how are you doing overall? I'm doing well, Blake. It's exciting uh, to have a game this weekend that is uh, somewhat obtainable. The Cardinals could put together a winning streak if they're able to knock off the 1-4 disappointing Atlanta Falcons. And although they are a two-point home underdog, that leads you to believe that this is going to come down to the final possession or two. And I think the Cardinals have a decent chance to come away with their first home victory of 2019. Yeah, it's very interesting to see because the Falcons were given reasonably high expectations. They fell apart. Perhaps some of that we could have seen coming with the uh, Dan Quinn moving from being not just the head coach, but also being the defensive play caller. The team um, really kind of came in and had a disappointing season last year. Matt Ryan was not really up to par. He did throw quite a few picks. But they did end up still routing the Cardinals to a, I believe it was like, what was it, like a five touchdown or something like that victory ahead of them last year with their defense. That was, of course, in the Atlanta Dome. But currently, they seem to have been a team outside of the one big play that they had at the Eagles game in which the Eagles saw uh, kind of the infamous meme that's happened now with uh, Aguilar dropping the football. They were down a lot of wide receivers in that game. You're talking about a team that really has just not looked good. They've been beaten up and moved kind of pushed around for a lot of it. Um, and a lot of it comes down to that their offense just has not seemed to have been clicking. The offensive line has had some injury issues for the most part. Um, they also at least have been able to get Julio Jones involved, but it hasn't been like it's a you know, blowing teams away with it for the most part. He's been getting a lot more end zone touchdowns. But on the defensive side, like we got to see them get lit up for there's over 500 yards or so for the most part Deshaun Watson threw for Four touchdowns. It was one of the craziest. I actually think it was five touchdowns or so, and no interceptions. One of the craziest type of performances after the game. Their uh, Texans players essentially said, "Yeah, they kept running the same. We knew what coverages they were running. Looked overly simplistic. We could just keep taking deep shots again and again." The Cardinals are a team that doesn't take really a lot of deep shots, John. This is going to be really interesting to see. How do you think the Cardinals right now match up against a team like the Atlanta Falcons? Is this a spot where maybe this is where the Cardinals, I don't know if they have to get Christian Kirk back. It seems from what Cliff said, they'll take it simple. Is this going to be a game where the Cardinals are going to be looking at breaking, you know, whatever the scoring record potentially be for the team this year? Or do you think that they are going to be looking at more of trying to control the game, run the ball, uh, and try to keep clock on this Falcons team as they come back home to State Farm Stadium. Yeah, I think if healthy, they match up exceptionally well with the Atlanta Falcons, specifically in the back end. Uh, this team struggles more so than any team at the safety position. Their starters are below average. Um, they're starting Cyprian at strong safety, Allen's at free safety. Both of them have been in a slew of misdirections and out of position specifically in the passing game and their corners are just so so led of course by the ageless Marcus Trufant um, but they, they've struggled there's no doubt about it for a team that's that's got a defensive head coach I think they're 30th or 31st in total defense giving up yeah they are 31st in total defense <clears throat> giving up uh, 30 points per game I should say so um, they're at the bottom of the barrel uh, offensively of course they're exceptional uh, when they're on, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu, uh, Hooper at tight end has emerged. Um, but I'll stick with the offense for, for now, uh, that being the Cardinal offense. If the Cardinals are able to get a healthy David Johnson, as of this podcast, we still don't know if he's playing. His back locked up on him in the game. He finished the game. I, I think he does play. 
Um, and if they can get anything out of Christian Kirk, I think the Cardinals are going to have an opportunity to have their, their season high point total, especially at home. Um, the, the Atlanta Falcons are um, tough up the middle, whereas I'll give them credit, you know, Grady Jarrett's a phenomenal player, a borderline elite player. Deon Jones is what everybody hoped Deon Buchanan would be after the fact, and he was actually drafted afterwards, which is kind of funny. Um, those are their two best defenders by far. Um, their outside pass rush has been non-existent. Beasley, McKinley ha- have done next to nothing this year, um, so hopefully the, the pass protection on the uh, perimeter can hold up. Um, and I think the Cardinals will have success running the football again this week. Carlos Hyde, uh, Duke Johnson ran the ball successfully last week for a very comparable Houston offensive line. Um, and again, I, I think Kyler's ability to run um, changes this game considerably. I think that they are having a ton of confidence after what they did to the Cincinnati Bengals a week ago, putting up over 200, and, uh, 200 yards rushing, seven yards per carry. So I feel good about where this offense can be. I'm just a little bit concerned about how many points it's going to take considering that the Cardinals are so banged up in their secondary. The, 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 the idea, the mantra I would have is to be super aggressive, to build off of what you did a week ago. Uh, I would go for it on fourth and manageable if the situation calls for it. Uh, I would try to implement you know, power football in the red zone that we really haven't seen yet. Do, do some read option misdirection in the red zone with both Edmonds and, and David Johnson and, and continue to run downhill. And then I, I would mix in a fake punt here and there. I, I think this Atlanta team – despite having, you know, maybe Super Bowl aspirations to start the year, being one in four and really one of the biggest embarrassments and disappointments in the league, I think they're ready to quit. I think that if you get out to an early lead, this team might phone it in. I really do believe that. I think that you see the, the heat that's, that's been on this coaching staff, on Dan Quinn, um, the fact that Matt Ryan has been up and down, that, that is still, you know, vulnerable to a red zone interception or two. I, I just think that mm-hmm. if you're able, this is the kind of game, if you're able to jump out to an early lead and put the foot on, on the gas pedal a little bit, I think you could get this team, get complacent and, and quit on you. And so I would, I would be super aggressive and keep your defense off the field, whatever you need to do. Um, and you might have some big decisions early on in, in terms of fourth down, but man, you're just so vulnerable. That being the Cardinal secondary right now, especially if Tremaine Brock can't go because of a shoulder stinger who is going to guard Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Muhammad mm-hmm. Sanu? Forget the tight end position. The Cardinals don't have enough healthy corners to to make that happen. So they're going to have to rely heavily on their pass rush. They're going to have to bring the house. So it'll. I think it'll be entertaining. I think take the over. The over right now in Vegas is like 52 and a half. I expect both teams to be over 25 points. But at the end of the day, if the Cardinals can, can stay aggressive, they're going to be in this thing till the end. Yeah, it's interesting seeing a lot of it comes down to the decision-making of Dan Quinn seems to be under question. You look at last week where a lot of times those touchdowns that went to a Will Fuller who just you know lit up everyone's fantasy stats. What was interesting was there's times, and I was looking at least with um, Ted Wynn from The Athletic broke down that there was a just a strange defensive play call where it's third and five balls at the 44-yard line, so you're already in Falcons territory. Get a first down, you might be able to have a kick. You force that you might have a punt, and then, you know, with that type of area, maybe you could get it to roll into the end zone, but at least you get the ball back. Uh, at this point, the score is, yeah, it's 40 to 32 Texans were up. They were an empty. The Falcons played cover zero. They doubled DeAndre Hopkins. They doubled one receiver. They rushed three. So think about when you're saying, okay, cover zero, everyone basically, like, is going to be covering their man across the board flat. It's not going to be any safeties that are there over the top and a three-man rush. What that means is there's nobody in the middle of the field. So just three-man rush, super easy to pick up for the offensive line, take a shot, and he hits Will Fuller for a deep touchdown that basically sealed any type of comeback. So you're talking about a – this is very similar because, like you mentioned, John, it's not totally comparable because it's earlier in the year, but there's a little bit of that whiff of, on one hand at least, you could look at this as a Mike McCarthy type of, hey, this may be it. If the Cardinals come out, can push really, really hard for all that one, this might be one of those fireable games, which that would stink if you know you lose to the Cardinals, you get fired for the second year in a row. On the other hand, what I do wonder is this: there's enough desperation where I have to kind of push this back to you. Could this be one of those Carolina Panther type games where we're like, hey, they're on the edge, they're pushing for that one? The biggest difference, I think, overall, John, is I would trust the Panthers' defense right now a heck of a lot more than I would 
the Falcons, especially from what we've seen over the last few weeks. Like the, the Cardinals putting up 20 points on the Panthers for the most part. It's not really that impressive at the time. But when you look at how often they were in the red zone and how the Panthers have just rolled since they played the Cardinals to two more straight wins behind Kyle Allen, I got to say, like, I, I'm leaning much more towards this being a Mike McCarthy type of game, at least for the Cardinals. The biggest question is, how are they going to be able to guard against Julio Jones, getting all those weapons down, and still find a way to put pressure on Matt Ryan? That, to me, is going to be the big question, and I don't know if I see it happening. I do agree this could end up being a shootout, John. Yeah, I, I think the Cardinals are going to have their options, um, and they're, they're, they're going to be able to supply heat on, a, on an Atlanta offensive line that's in a worse state right now than the Cardinals. McGarry at right tackle has not been very good. Matthews, we know, probably didn't justify that being Jake Matthews. His big con- contract extension, I, there are ways, you know, James Carpenter at left guard. The Cardinals got the better of the two Seattle guards and J.R. Sweezy. But they just, for whatever reason, have not been able to consistently get going. The run game is inconsistent. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Austin Hooper are really good players. Um, Sanu is a solid player. Ridley can beat you over the top. So you're, you're going to see this team try to stretch the field early. Um, but I, here's what I would do. This is just my opinion. I, don't, I have no idea what they're going to try to implement. I would go really heavy on base nickel and force them to run the football with Devontae Freeman and just say, okay, line up hmm. with your tackles and beat us like that because we're not going to yeah. get beat over the head because the, the best part about what the Cardinals were able to do last week that was successful is they played that bend but don't break defense throughout the majority of the game until late. Um, I think that their best chance to succeed really is to, is to allow Matt Ryan to, to dink and dunk his way down the field and then you're, you're better off allowing that to happen and, and Atlanta putting together eight to 10 play scoring drives, whether it be touchdowns or field goals, to allow you to have more chances to rush the passer or to, God forbid, force an interception, something like that, force a turnover. Whereas if, if you're playing you know, heavy against the run and you're leaving certain guys like you know, Chris Johnson and Byron Murphy on an island with minimal safety help, you're going to get beat quickly. And this game could get out of hand fast with, the, with their explosive nature on the outside. So I would force them, okay, you're on the road, you're one and four, let's see what you got. We're going to play a lot of nickel. We're going to have maybe even right now the way he's playing, Hassan Reddick be our lone linebacker and then mm-hmm. have him spy, you know, Freeman out of the backfield, Hooper at the tight end, and then go heavy with your DBs. Play both Thompsons in the back end, play Buda Baker, play, you know, two or three corners and just and see where that takes you and then adjust accordingly. But this team doesn't know how to play with a lead, that being the Atlanta Falcons. Um, they have not had any kind of sustained success this year. Somehow they, they beat the Philadelphia Eagles when the Eagles were kind of in their rut, but I don't think they could beat them now. So I, I think that their best bet – and you know what? At the end of the day, you get beat with a bunch of rookies in the back end. I can live with that. What I can't live with is for them to, to, to take the ball over the top and leave Julio Jones and Ridley and Sanu you know, and our DBs on an island. And so I, I would force them – to make, you know, Devontae Freeman beat them. And so we'll see what the game plan is. Um, I, I just – I think the Cardinals are going to be in this game to the, to the very end. I like this matchup for them just because it's at home. If this was in um, the uh, Atlanta's home, I, I can't remember what their dome's called, um, where the Cardinals haven't won seemingly forever, I would think that they're going to be in trouble. But make them come play out west – on our territory, coming off a big win, where we're feeling pretty good about ourselves, that being the Cardinals, um, and we're, we're evolving our offense week to week. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm excited to watch this game. I, I was skeptical of the Bengal game for whatever reason, even though the Atlanta personnel-wise is, is a much better team. I just have a better feeling about this one. Yeah, and I, I think that's where if you're in this team and this is where you know maybe this changes, I don't think this is a game that you have to win if you're the Cardinals either. Um, I think that the biggest approach that we've had, and this is something I know that Seth Cox, the main site writer of Avenge of the Birds, brought up. All you have to really do is stay relevant by winning two of the next three games. You've already got one of those games down with the Bengals. You've got the biggest one, the biggest hurdle to clear, the first win. That's already out of the way. You don't have to go in with the pressure of being a winless team, going and facing a Falcons team under a lot of pressure at home. That's a big positive for this team is that you at least are trending on the up. The... Giants game next week, you'll get Patrick Peterson back. You'll also probably at least for sure have Christian Kirk back by then. So 
we'll get to see a little bit more of how the Cardinals, what they're made of essentially as uh, this is going to be what I think, like you said, John, I'll be shocked if it's going to be a lower point total just because the Falcons have just been poor. Now, Matt Ryan has not been on his end, at least credit to him. He's been up and down in some cases, but he still at least has been consistent. He's consistently thrown the ball for uh, about 330 yards per game, which is pretty impressive overall for the most part, considering that even though it's a high passing league, even though you're talking about this being a team that's built around him, um, it still is very much a, uh, it's still very much a pocket passer, uh, get the ball to your playmakers type of offense. It's not really a running offense. They're only getting probably about 71 or so yards a game and they're passing for a lot more. So it's more of a run to set up the pass type of offense. I think you're right about selling out to stop the pass, let the Falcons with Freeman and kind of a banged up O-line, see if they can run on you. Um, for his sake, though, Ryan hasn't been pretty clean. He had a three-interception game earlier this year against the Eagles. He also had two interceptions uh, against, I believe it was in the first game of the year, uh, this is versus the Vikings. So you're talking about a guy who you – a Cardinals team that has a quarterback who's turned the ball over on average at least once per game or so with an interception, You're and a Cardinals team that has not gotten an interception all year. So let's ask this question, John. Do you think the Cardinals will be able to get a – interception of Matt Ryan this year or are you going to say that we're not going to get anything until Patrick Peterson comes back I think we're going to wait until Peterson comes back that's the, <laughs> that's the cop-out answer I, I think the Cardinals could still play well and win this game without a pick um, but I, I I just think that they're there's their their secondary right now is constructed their linebacking core they just they don't have great hands um, they they're not players with exceptional ball skills they don't have that rangy free safety yet they don't. I love Byron Murphy. That wasn't kind of his mo coming out. You you see what, what makes him a, a special young player. He's physical, right? He's a great tackler. He can you know knock down balls. But we don't have a ball hawker in this secondary, and we haven't really had mm -hmm. one really since Tyron left. Peterson himself has never been that savvy in catching interceptions. So I, I do think it's going to be a little little bit longer um, unless they get maybe a deflection, something like that. And that's probably their best bet. If Chandler Jones or somebody can knock a ball down at the line of scrimmage and one of the linebackers can pick it off, I think that's more likely the best case scenario. You know, but I will say Matt Ryan, like I mentioned earlier, has been known to throw dumb interceptions in the red zone. Um, this season, uh, I believe he's got a handful of picks um, uh, to just uh, – he's got 11 touchdowns. I mean, he's having – got seven interceptions to 11 touchdowns so he he does throw on average uh an interception per game he's on pace to throw 22 this season um but he's got gaudy passing numbers he's on pace yeah, for almost throwing three. the ball a lot and some of 50, that 300 yards passing he's on pace for Blake yeah which is crazy now what's also crazy is that the Falcons I believe they've just been down in almost every single one of their games this year to begin they just have not been able to get a lead um for any of their games so when that's the case, you're talking about if the Cardinals can get up early, then all of a sudden the Falcons, you can see the car, the opponents for the team are almost double some of their rushing totals. A lot of that, I think at least, and this is just from looking at the stats. So if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong on that, at least for the page. But that just comes from the fact that if they get down early, they're forced to throw the ball a lot. Then, of course, the interceptions are taking place and happening. The defense is still not slowing the opposing offenses, whether it's the passing game or by the rushing the football. So teams are then just running the football to get to the end of the game. Or you end up with a bit of a shootout like you got to see last week uh, against the Texans. Um, I think the Cardinals, this maybe not is the taking the over game. If it does completely mirror the, uh, the I guess you can take a look at, like, what was it, like a 12-point or something like that game by the Vikings to begin the year. But this is not the Minnesota Vikings who are going to be handing the ball off more than anyone else. You've got Kyler Murray. You've got David Johnson. You've got Chase Edmonds. It should be a really good mix, I think, of pass and run. My hope for this game is that the Cardinals would be able to at least get off one big deep touchdown and then also be able to see if they could break a big run for a touchdown, whether that's by Murray, Chase Edmonds, even David Johnson. It doesn't matter. I'd love to see the Cardinals be able to get to a lead. Now, if they do get down in this game, then I think it's going to be interesting. Are the Cardinals going to have a chance to come back in this? I, I do think even in that aspect, John, because of – and we'll see what happens if they end up having to abandon the run, if Kyler throws it a lot, or however that works out. Because of the way the Falcons' defense is, I don't feel that I'm – feeling like the Cardinals could, you know, end up in a blowout type situation like they did last year. 
Uh, they just seem to be at least kind of finding some of their groove. Now, granted, we may say that, and then it turns out that they were pay- <laughs> playing the Bengals and uh, goes to pop. But if the Cardinals do get down in this game, John, do you think that this is going to be too much for the Cardinals to overcome? Or are you kind of like me thinking that, hey, you, you've got Murray, you've got enough at least weapons against a bad defense to make something out of it? Well, what are some of your thoughts as we kind of transition out of our Falcons preview for, uh, for this part of the episode? Yeah, I think – Maybe things can get out of hand if Christian Kirk doesn't play. I think if Kirk plays and he and he gives them a little bit of spark and, and can get some separation on these vulnerable Falcon defensive backs, I think you're going to be in it throughout the duration of this game. The you know the question I have is outside of Fitzgerald, when if Kirk doesn't play, if, if DJ's banged up mm-hmm. and he's limited, I mean you're going to have limitations in your passing game and your run game. Yeah. Um, DJ uh, David Johnson was your best pass catcher last week and and made. Uh, two beautiful catches along the sideline to really help set up the the, the go-ahead touchdowns um, and, the, and the go-ahead field goal. So uh, you, you can't put Kyler Murray out there with Larry Fitzgerald and a bunch of C-level wideouts. And I like Keyshawn Johnson. I think he's getting better. But I, I just think that, if, you know, if you're going to stand toe-for-toe with with one of the best offenses in the NFL, with maybe the best wide receiver in the league, you got to be able to supply some firepower on your end um, that's why I, I do think they're going to stick with the running game. Um, and even if David doesn't play, they're going to use multiple backs in that scenario, whether they bring a guy up from the practice squad or, or whatever. They they want the ability to run the option. And I think that, you know, putting together methodical drives that eat up time, that keep Atlanta's offense off the field, I think is a, a great way, kind of a, like what we saw with Indianapolis do with Kansas City the other day and, and be able to control the tempo and the line of scrimmage. The Cardinals aren't going to – First of all, the Cardinals aren't a quick strike offense anyway, but I think just from end around standpoint, Murray keeping it, um, I, I think that if the offensive line plays like they did against Cincinnati, the Cardinals are going to put up 30-plus points. I, I'm so confident in saying that because I think they, they're going to know more so than maybe any other game because this is, in my opinion, the best offense they've faced um, personnel-wise. Personnel um, I think they're going to know, like, we can't be kicking field goals against Atlanta because there's a chance they can score on, it on seemingly every drive. And so if, if I think if it's becoming fourth and manageable, like we saw this past week, they're going to go for it because they feel like they've got an advantage with Murray and the, his ability to make plays with his feet. And, and the run-pass option is so deadly. It's so hard to defend. We've, we've seen it so many years with Russell Wilson. So I, I, I think that this is, this is a point in the season where you can be coming off that win in Cincinnati – you can you can basically have this be your chance to to set the tempo moving forward. Like, okay, we've got our feet wet. This is who we're going to be. We have nothing to lose at this point. People are you know consistently doubting us. We know we can play in this league and perform in a high level and rack up a ton of yards. Let's put it together for one game and, and let's put some touchdowns on the board. So, I will give my official prediction now. I think, you know, God help me. I think the Cardinals win this game somewhere in the vicinity. I think they eclipsed 30 points for the first time in two years. October of 2017 against Tampa Bay, the Adrian Peterson game at home. I think they score 35 points, and I think Atlanta scores 30 points, and the Cardinals beat the Falcons at home. Yeah, I'll go with at least and go a little bit under that. I th- I'm going to lean and go 28 to uh, 24 is going to be what I'll pick. I'm kind of in a spot where I almost feel like they'd pick Atlanta to win this weekend and the Cardinals to beat the Giants next week. I still feel like right now with the way these two teams are trending, um, if the Cardinals can run the football and avoid the turnovers, if you can get off to an early start, I think the Cardinals could be able to get this game. It's just as felt like that there's too many things that are trending up in Arizona. And while there still are definitely big time issues that I see on defense, um, I think I'll also pick the Cardinals and go 28-24. I don't know if they'll be able to win all three of these games. I just I don't know if they have the talent for that. If you told me Christian Kirk was playing and healthy enough in this game, I think I'd feel much, much more confident. Um, we'll see if this game does turn into a shootout. The Falcons, I know right now, they aren't the Panthers. I don't think that they'll have the ability to uh, to rush the Cardinals. Uh, they got a good, good player in Grady Jarrett for the most part. Um, we'll see what the Cardinals come up with as far as if they're able to Uh, effectively run and pass so uh, let's move away into another kind of topic this is something that was brought up today that I thought was interesting was the idea that the Cardinals essentially 
have gotten a week of people quiet, quiet with a lot of the fire Kime and fire Vance and all of those other areas. Now they're after two touchdowns came in pretty quick yesterday. Those came back. And after the first drive, some, some fans I know are definitely already going to be there, but for you this week, did anything at least that you saw this week change your mind overall on what you see with the direction for the Cardinals and where you think it needs to be, John, or was more just kind of cemented in there for you? What were some of your thoughts at least as we – it's going to be kind of a season-long question that a lot of people have for this Cardinals team because they did take their first step at least out of kind of that basement of the NFL toward, um, you know, trying to take a step toward being a competitive team in the future. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, winning cures a lot, um, especially winning on the road uh, in the way that the Cardinals did where their quarterback looked so, you know, so successful, so productive, and that's a direct correlation to Kime. So you have to give him credit there. I also think the emergence of Chase Edmonds helps his case. That was a Kime pick last year that a lot of people forget about in a draft that is outside of Christian Kirk, probably mostly forgettable. And suddenly he looks like a very capable running back that's going to be a part of this this tandem moving forward. So a tip of the cap there. And then we talk about the improved play of the offensive line and DJ Humphreys and J.R. Sweezy and Max Williams that were free agent pickups that were mostly forgotten. Like, they're playing better. So, again, are we are we hoping that he comes back? You know, I, I, I made a comment last week, and we wrote articles saying it was time to move on. That doesn't mean we hope that he gets fired – we just like, here's, here's the evidence on the table that the team has underperformed and has looked really poor for a long time, and it's mostly due to personnel. Now, that can always change if they have um, a winning streak, if they show a competitive nature toward the end of the season, and a lot of the young draft picks start playing better. And maybe you think to yourself, okay, maybe it wasn't necessarily all personnel, and it was coaching from a year ago, and they're being elevated by Cliff Kingsbury. So, uh, again... I think that we could have, be having the same conversation next week if they poor, play poorly against Atlanta and all of their warts show up again. But I, I do think it's a week-to-week basis, and I think that that's probably how Michael Bidwell is going to do it as well. Um, but, you know, if, if, if Murray plays well continually to end the season, no matter the record, I don't, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think that that is um, a feather in Kimes' cap, that he decided to make, the, to make this decision go all in and, you know, how can you not be impressed with what they've done offensively? Defensively is a different story, but it's an offensive league, and the Cardinals desperately want to be relevant, and the best way to do that is to, is to be exciting and score points. So, I mean, nobody's talking about how the Cardinals' defense is, you know, bottom five in the league nationally. They're all talking about how, how great it was to see Kyler Murray get his first, you know, NFL win the offense has improved the people who in dramatic actually, fashion no less right. it was great because it was all him on that last drive it wasn't like you know they ran the ball down everything it was all murray they were chase edmonds even said in the huddle hey this is why we drafted you man and he went out and performed and delivered under the pressure which is what you want to see it was a good step forward for let's it. see what steve kime does if this team is playing competitive football but there's one or two areas where they feel like they could improve, not necessarily, of course, for any kind of playoff push, but just to help their young quarterback. Let's see. We had we were recording this, you know, a little while after the Buffalo Bills sent Zay Jones, who was a really nice second round prospect, um, to the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders are three and two, so they, they, you know, they're a little bit more, you know, high on themselves than Arizona. But they needed a receiver. I, I would be. Um, supportive of Kime, if you wanted to swing a, a day three draft trade um, and get some help for Kyler Murray uh, and bring in a veteran receiver to help this group, I would have no problems allowing him to do that. Um, and, you know, if he's able to secure a player that's going to help this team, like he's done so many times before, maybe not necessarily in season, but out of the season, um, then, you know, I'm willing to give him that opportunity to try to do that because I think that. Anytime you're talking about improving the, the skill players and the, you know, the, the weaponry around Kyler Murray, I'm, I'm pro doing that. And I think every victory matters, every win matters, every, you know, every opportunity to, to grow and mature as a young player, um, take advantage of that. And so you know, I, I, I'm anxious to see what he's going to do with the trade deadline if and when the Cardinals are still playing competitive football, Blake. Yeah, I know it. And it feels like, and this is what's going to be tough is how competitive is going to be what you're looking for. Because 
it's competitive football for you because and this is what the Cardinals have unfortunately had the last few years ever since 2016 they've gotten off to a rough start they really started off this year um for the most part it was one two and one uh everyone should say one three and one they started off essentially oh three and one to begin uh, before this week and as a result if you're going to be looking at about a six and ten record is showing hey you doubled your win total and you improved you're going to have to essentially go five and six the rest of the way you have to win almost half of your games for the most part to be able to get to that measurement um, now, maybe some of that can be eased if you can get two wins and end up at three, three, and one. Hey, you're, you're kind of still in it. We don't really expect this team to uh, make a playoff push. It's become very clear the kind of elite teams have separated themselves, I think, at this point. And then the four really bad teams in the Miami Dolphins and the Washington Redskins, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Darnoldless New York Jets. Adam Gase, at least, is looking like a one and done. They just had the first coaching firing of the year has already happened with uh, Jay Gruden being let go is a really bright offensive mind in a lot of different ways. It'll be interesting to see what ends up with him as far as his coaching acumen. I just got to say, John, a lot of what Cardinals fans have been questioning is should this team give up a high pick overall for a guy like Stefan Diggs? And I've been kind of a little bit on the fence for that, mostly just because I feel like the price is probably going to be a first if he does want to leave. I, I don't think that the Vikings want to let him go. I, it'll be interesting, you know, if the closer it gets to the trade deadline, if people start offering. But what are some of your thoughts? Because I know we've talked about this a lot. Do you end up giving up kind of a potential future pick that you have, get a player now in a down year, even if they're a good young player and it's a sure thing? Or do you kind of look at it and say, hey, like if you're, why would you trade, you know, a first for Stefan Diggs and trade for that contract? Maybe you just say, hey, Cardinals may have a top 10 pick next year. Why not just draft the guy of the future there instead? Then you don't sure. have to worry about it. There's a lot of options. Now, uh, we'll talk about the other thing with the offensive line in a second. But before I get there, what are your thoughts, at least as far as with the trade? Is this a risk that you want the Cardinals to make? Is this a risk that you even want Steve Kime to make? Because I'm not nearly as much, I think, on the same board as you. With kind of, I, I feel like I'm not sure I want to see him making some of those long-term future effects. Well, sure. I don't know yeah. his future. What are your thoughts, at least, though, specifically when it deals to bringing in another guy to help Kyler this season? Do you think that it's worth it, and how much do you think it's worth it? Yeah, and let me be clear. I don't want him operating you know, with the ammunition of trading uh, day one or day two picks. I'm saying if he wants to move a fifth or a sixth rounder for a veteran – the, you know, number three receiver to help this group out, uh, a possession receiver or deep threat. Um, I'm, I'm totally pro that. Um, like the Zay Jones trade, I would have liked to have seen the Cardinals maybe sniff around that market. But um, that being said, uh, here's what I, here's what I would tell you. If the, if you could convince the Minnesota Vikings to take the Cardinals second round pick, I would, I would really consider that. Um, I think that Diggs is the kind of player who would flourish under Kingsbury and a pass heavy attack that he's got elite separation. He's a big-time playmaker in this lead. He's been underutilized. That's, that's, that's an understatement in Minnesota. John Filippo, I think, knew what they had in him. They, they promptly ran him out of town, and now they're stuck with a conservative offense that doesn't fit. And he's looked all. really good with the Jags and Gardner Minshew. So it's like, eh, may, I don't know, maybe we'll see what goes on with that coach. And uh, they're, they're at least putting up rushing yards. There's just been a lot of drama that you've seen in Minnesota. And, you know, there's, there's probably always going to be a lot of drama, it seems, for, uh, for right now. That's something Diggs wants out of. I would not deal the Cardinals' first-round pick that's, that very likely is going to be a top-ten pick. I think that's reserved for best available player on the line of scrimmage or a receiver, like you mentioned, somebody like a, you know, if they pick high enough, a Jerry Judy or a CeeDee Lamb, you reunite him with, with Kyler Murray. But they want to deal their second-round pick. If, if Minnesota is open to that, I just feel like if, if they're really going to put him out there and they, they believe that their return is going to be a first-round pick, there are going to be multiple, multiple teams in the 20s. You know, the Patriots jump out, maybe um, Kansas City with their injuries. There's going to be teams that, that are going to go after him if they're in their Super Bowl window. Um, this would be a long-term play. Diggs is signed through 2023. He actually only has – um, I think like 10 more million guaranteed and that's next year. Mm. Um, so his contract's very friendly um, and he's still in his mid twenties. So I, it, it would be a play to, to be able to pair him. Your, your receiving core would then be set. You'd have the opportunity to have Diggs and Kirk and or Isabella on the outside. You would assume he's going to emerge and then Fitzgerald underneath. Um, and you'd, you'd have a really nice, nice mix of veteran players and, and players in their prime like Diggs and young up and coming players. But 
I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think that they're going to try to accumulate as many resources to, to go into the draft with ammunition to get one of these top receivers, either top of the first or top of the second, and then, you know, go offensive line with the other pick. But, um, Blake, I, I think that if we're having this discussion, it's, it's for, the, for a second-round pick only. I floated the idea today just to kind of see where the fan base was with the idea of trading Patrick Peterson straight up for this, um, mm. Stephon Diggs, and it was not mm. well received. I think five <laughs> percent or or so, um, you know, opted to say no. I I would just caution you in in, in saying that you know Patrick Peterson is going to be thirty, and he's going to want a new contract. And the Vikings are terrible in their secondary, and they feel like they can play smothering defense if they get that improved. And a player for player trade that you don't currently have on your roster. I mean, you drafted Byron Murphy thirty third overall to be your your number one corner. That's not going to be this year, but you know, moving forward, you know, is Patrick Peterson even in the, the, the team's plans after next year? I don't know. I He's an unknown we'll right now. So I, I don't – Is would I do it? Probably not, but is it as crazy as it sounds? I, I think people need to have a realistic expectations for Peterson post-2019-2020, whereas Diggs, you got him for hopefully the duration of, of Kyler Murray's first first NFL contract, and you can really take advantage of that, so – yeah, and I think a lot of it may even depend on what happens when Patrick Peterson comes back. Is he going to play at the same level? Now, if he does come back and suddenly the Cardinals defense goes from like, you know, 29th and jumps up into like a 20 and their passing defense just soars, all of a sudden you're going to realize, oh, this guy is actually like legitimately really important and we need to either have a solid plan if he is going to leave or we need to be able to make sure we can lock him up long term. It'd be fun to see, um, honestly, like and we've mentioned some of this as well, team let Calais Campbell walk. They let a guy like a Tyron Matthew. Now, granted, there were definitely slowing concerns and injury issues. He hasn't been exactly the same player. Uh, there's also letting Tony Jefferson go if they had a value for him that seemed like it was low. Uh, the poor guy did tear his ACL this week. Hopefully, he'll be uh, recovering and back on the ground soon. I just feel like, at least with you, John, if there's a chance that Peterson can stay and they can build up this team uh, and he can keep playing at the high level, I agree with you that it's really going to just depend on does Peterson want to stay here or is he going to end up being um, one of those guys who gets back to me that disgruntled player. We've got one more week to see what this defense looks like without him. Then he'll be coming back to the Cardinals, we'd assume. And we'll take it from there. Uh, now, here's one thing, I, I, and I know this. I've, I've been kind of the guy who's been pushing a lot for thinking the Cardinals may be looking at a receiver next year. We even got to see in this last game, I mentioned last podcast, they don't have an outside receiver, so they're using David Johnson outside. Cliff is adjusting to the aspect. But one name that kind of brought up this week that maybe almost changed my mind a little bit for that was Ronnie Stanley. Uh, he's grading out right now as the top offensive tackle in all of the NFL right now. He's a left tackle. Was taking kind of a run where the Cardinals would be looking for picks, at least from a good school uh, over at Notre Dame. And maybe if you're talking about looking at a, you know, a guy up front getting that type of player for the Cardinals, maybe that's something I'm over, maybe underselling some of just having that type of player on your team for the next decade or so. The Dallas Cowboys have been struggling with Tyron Smith a bit banged up, at least we've seen with how the Redskins are. So one kind of question, at least that you would have, John, is do you think that the Cardinals, at least with everything that they have right now, with his best player available. Are we underselling some of what they need for this offensive and defensive line push a little bit for, for this year? Or have we seen enough with DJ Humphreys improving enough with them at Justin Murray at right tackle enough with the scheme getting settled? And do you think that it, where are we looking at as far as with what's the Cardinals biggest need that they have for right now, five games into the season? What's kind of the feeling that you'll have there? Cause I, I feel like it'd be somewhere to boost this offense right now. Yeah, I think I think it's offense as well. I think I think you try to improve the defense and free agency. There's always going to be defensive tackles, linebackers, corners available. Are they going to be top tier players? No, but they're going to be capable. And the Cardinals are going to have eighty plus million dollars in cap space to spend. Then you look to the draft and you and you think to yourself, okay, if if we're picking top five to seven, um, you know somebody like Andrew Thomas, who a lot of people are high on. I, I'm not as high. But I like Tristan Wirth from Iowa as much as any player in this draft. I think he's got a nastiness to his game. University of Iowa, Iowa native, 6'5", 222, somebody who can play right tackle right away, can play left tackle, I think, down the line. But if he's a right tackle, he's a right tackle. You mentioned DJ Humphreys. I think right now, again, he's got a pro football focus grade of 66, but his pass blocking grade, which is really all I care about, is 74. And that's top 16 in the NFL. 
If he plays the entire season or close to it, he's going to get extended. I, I can guarantee this right now. He's either going to be franchised or they're going to try to lock him up with some kind of, I don't want to say team-friendly deal, but it's going to be a deal in which both sides feel conf- confident. He'll get extended forward. or he'll get paid like way beyond what the Cardinals could have. But if they go into next year without a tackle, then I'm, maybe. It's supply and demand with that position. They can't it's gonna, it's gonna 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 they're going to be tough. They can't assume they're going to get a left tackle in the draft, no matter where they're picking, unless they're picking maybe like second. And they can't, they can't assume they're going to find one in free agency. So if, if he plays the entire season and plays – if let's just say he this is the best he's going to play all season they're going to resign him there, there's no doubt in my mind he's only allowed one sack this year it's been inconsistent but he's still a young player i've had major criticisms of him but most of that has surrounded blake you know this his durability so again five games in let's see what happens they don't have to make a decision thankfully today and then all you know outside of the offensive line you mentioned it blake and I'm, I'm starting to come around not on the idea that i love taking a top 10 receiver but just how much Kingsbury relies on that separation of an elite talent on the outside to run what he wants to run. Cardinals don't have that right now. They don't have that player. Kyler is missing. He's got a safety blanket and fits. He's missing a big time playmaker. Kirk has been good for what they've had, but good isn't really great. And for what he's always projected as like a golden Tate max, like 1200 yards when he really refines some of his technique his ability to separate a little bit. But you know, of course Mm -hmm. you had a, CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy, this offense goes to a different level, especially Judy, who's got some one of the best double moves I've ever seen at the collegiate level. And then you talked about the other line of scrimmage. I don't think we can discredit defensive line, specifically edge rusher. If Chase right. Young is there, he's got eight and a half sacks on the young season for Ohio State. He following and, and doing a nice encore that, that, that Nick Bosa did a year ago. Um, there's, he, there's always guys who rise up to we weren't talking about josh allen out of kentucky at this sure. point he being a top seven pick we weren't talking about brian burns uh, there's always going to be at least a few guys who will kind of push up and at that point i agree with you it's like what's nice about the cardinals when you at least are feeling confident and comfortable in your quarterback situation we went over this last year at least was that you can at least then try to find who's going to be a truly great talent at least if you are picking at the top of the draft to rebuild keep kind of stacking those players that are going to make offensive and defensive coordinators have uh, headaches now uh, what i will say for that is and this is kind of be the last thing at least for tonight before we sign off um there's one thing that is kind of i don't know worrying me and it's just come up recently with with the firing of jay gruden with josh rosen and his situation being kind of tenuous overall in miami I'm just wondering, is this going to be a scenario where you end up seeing teams with maybe a surprise first-round pick where maybe an extra quarterback goes? Now, most people believe that Haskins was the result of the ownership and was not Jay Gruden's guy, so perhaps that's not even a factor for the most part. But do you think that that's going to be an exception for the Cardinals, or could we see maybe a few surprises at least in a player – Falls to the Cardinals. I mean, obviously, as the Cardinals fans, are, we only jokingly talk about tanking for Tua now that we're completely out of the win-less column. There's going to be uh, hopefully no more doubt after the way that Murray has played. Uh, but what are some of your thoughts, at least, as far as for that situation? Because there's, there's just so little talent, at least for the most part, around Haskins with skins. They're benching yeah. him, essentially. Like, uh, Talk about some of that situation. Do you put that on to Haskins for basically not stepping up? Do you put that on the staff and the talent, like, what as far as what we're looking at with Cardinals fans? Because I know there's a lot of Cardinals fans right now who are still making kind of whispers I've heard that, hey, like if Josh Rosen was here, we'd had Bosa right now. Imagine where this team would be. He'd still be putting up those numbers. And quite frankly, John, after seeing both of them, I think maybe there's some merit to Cliff Kingsbury on offense, but I still find that almost impossible to believe that Rosen would be able to put up this type of production this quickly with this offense, I guess. Also, think about what Nick Bosa is playing with. He's got DeForest Buckner on the the other side of him. He's got D4. True. They've got, you know, phenomenal linebackers. Um, they've got an offense that dominates the point of attack line of scrimmage. I mean, they're, they're able to tee off on people. He's a he's an important cog on that Niner defense, but, you know, the Cardinals will be asking him, like they're doing with Murray, to kind of save their unit. And he's not, I don't think, capable of doing that yet. Plus, you know, talk to me when Nick Bosa plays 16 games. I, I think jury's still out on him being – reliable for the entire season um hopefully he does for the second niner fans but you know I, that was the knock on him coming out um yeah you're you, you've hit the nail on the head I, I do think you're talking about the quarterback class next year and the options in front of the cardinals hopefully that there's a there's a slew of quality quarterbacks i think herbert and, and tua are our top five locks just considering like the Bengals are going to take a quarterback the dolphins are going to take, take a quarterback they gotta take a quarterback dolphins we know that next gotta. group 
that, okay, does Denver sneak in there somehow? Because the rookie they took out of Missouri, um, who was a second-round pick, has been a non-factor. He's on injured reserve. So now you're talking about you're going to be in that group potentially. Now, this could change if the Cardinals rattle off some wins, but let's just assume they have a top five to seven pick. You're going to be around that group of, of Washington, like you mentioned. I don't think Washington's going to bail on Haskins. I think they're going to find an offensive-minded head coach like an Eric Bieniemy to, to make it work. Um, and I think that they're going to probably try to replace um, Trent Williams, who I think they'll trade this offseason. So Andrew Thomas is an option there. Tristan Wirfs is, is an option there for them. And then you look at a team like the New York Jets, who have a lot of the same needs that the Cardinals have, whether it be tackle, receiver, or edge rusher. They're, they're, they're significant competition, as is the second first-round pick for the Miami Dolphins. That is the Steelers' pick <laughs> that is yeah. – completely going to blow up in the Steelers face and the Dolphins are going to reap the benefit Miami's going to go BPA and they should but they'll probably go BPA at the line of scrimmage maybe they take a receiver um Atlanta if they continue to lose I think that they could address the offensive line or pass rusher but that's not a team you would think is going to add yet another receiver so I mean it just it remains to be seen um right now I'm looking at a couple different mocks CBS Sports has Cardinals taking a safety from LSU Del Pitt um there I've seen some mocks that are that are mocking a corner to, to Arizona at the back end yeah, of the, the still the top so head. so early for yeah, all that we, just, know what the, we know what the team needs are we just we don't know the players yet <laughs> it is it is early I the names I would I would focus on right now if, you, if you're going to target players um if Chase Young is there he's going to be in consideration uh, if Jerry Judy so is good. there he's going to be in consideration and then I think the two tackles whomever they have rated higher um remember um Laramie Tunsil was by most thought of as the best tackle in that Ronnie Stanley draft, but he fell because of the, 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 the bong video, but I think the Ravens had Ronnie Stanley rated higher. So mm-hmm. I think we could have a similar situation in which Wirfs and uh, if, if he declares Annie Andrew Thomas are both in that same, you know, top 10 to top seven category. Yeah. And the Cardinals just just, just get one of the two and have them play the opposite of Humphreys. If you bring him back, if not, your left tackle next year and you, and you go with it. But, they're, they're, being in a position in which, of course, I said this a year ago with Rosen, where you don't have to force a quarterback pick and you have options and you have a lot of needs, you can just kind of sit back and let your board fall to you. And, you know, we'll continue to cover the, the you know, the college football season and how this draft season is going to play out. But, you know, I, I like the options right now in terms of the players that could be a position of need for Arizona. Yeah, it's obviously a long way to go. It's still early in the process. And it's weird to be talking about this one. Uh, obviously, but the Cardinals, they're still definitely in it, at least as far as being able to, uh, you know, make some noise, be able to make a disturbance. It's tough, I think, going to be to overcome that slow start. But uh, we'll be paying attention and seeing how David Johnson does. Again, the uh, report out of that, at least from ESPN's Josh Weinfuss, was that he was unable to sit down at his locker. He was in pain and then had to fly back after that. So we'll see what the practice reports look like. Uh, this podcast is being recorded on uh, Monday night. Uh, it'll probably be out on Thursday. So if there is going to be practice reports, at least for that one, there will be more info out by then. But in the meantime, uh, we're going to be signing off. We are hopefully predicting the Cardinals will be able to pull out with their second win of the season, their first home win. Just get something, hopefully, for the fans. They have not had a home game win, at least in almost a complete calendar year. And they only had one home game win of all of last year as well. So, uh, that'll be basically all of it for us. Uh, thanks again for tuning in, everyone. If this is your first time listening in on us, uh, thank you again so much. You can find us and check us out uh, anywhere on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, TuneIn Radio, or any place that you look for your main podcasting streaming sites. Also be available at Revenge of the Birds. John, uh, where can the rest of the viewers find your content and your Twitter account as well if they uh, missed that the first time around? Uh, sorry, could you repeat that, John? I think you had your mic muted. Ah, gotcha. There up. you go. Uh, yeah, he's, tr- he's, not, he's trying to cover up. Don't find him. Don't find yes, him. That's what he's trying at to do. Johnny Touchdown on Twitter. Find my written content, revengeofthebirds.com. I do weekly recaps of the game on Sundays. Try to get that out uh, roughly an hour afterwards. Appreciate the support. Blake, where can they find your content? Yeah, I'll also be on Revenge of the Birds. And make sure that uh, if you aren't already, you do follow our uh, podcast handle at ROTBpod. You can also use that hashtag, hashtag ROTBpod, to ask us questions throughout the week. We'll check our mailbag usually about every other week or so. 
Um, or if you just want to, you know, send a message or drop a line, we'll try to make sure we can sneak an answer in. We do follow back on that channel, so uh, you'll get an instant follow back if you do follow us there, which is always a treat. And we kind of retweet some of our highlights throughout the, uh, some of our best tweets throughout the week. So if you need to get kind of caught up, aren't sure what's happened, been away from the Twitter account for a few days at least, kind of find the biggest hits at least will be located there. Uh, thanks you so much for joining us again. Ladies, gentlemen, everyone else, have a wonderful night and go Cards.